grace, mercy and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Thank you for welcoming us into your home for this time of prayer and exploration. All Saints Kings Heath serves a fairly bohemian suburb of South Birmingham. Standing at a busy junction, on our tatty but lovable High Street. Long before I pitched up, the congregation here has worked with many neighbours of goodwill to conceive and build a medical centre, community centre, youth centre and older people's day centre, joined firmly onto the Victorian church building, where the altar, you could say, is the centre, but reminds us everywhere is the centre of God's loving attention. I'm very fortunate to be vicar of such a community, which includes Nicholas Lee, poet and theologian. Our readings today prompt us to reflect on how difficult it is being forgiven. We hope they will prepare us for a confession towards the end of the service. As we begin, a prayer for the week. Almighty God, whose only Son has opened for us a new and living way into your presence, give us pure hearts and steadfast wills to worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
here in the All Saints Youth Project, Ian assists many families through courses helping to handle conflict. I wonder, Ian, without breaking any confidences, if you have been seeing examples of reconciliation in your work. Um, I could probably give many examples, to be honest with you, but um, it's been a tough time for, for everybody and it's been a challenging time for me having to work from home because I'm used to that face-to-face -face, um, contact. Um, but for many of the parents, being able to continue the services that we, we have done, like the one-to-one -one through Zoom, through WhatsApp, um, telephone contacts, um, over the, the lockdown period, what came out of that was the parents were very appreciative of that we were probably one of the few services that were continued to offer support, not just to themselves, but to their children, um, whereas others had shut down and they had very little contact with. Um, but what came out of it was is that a lot of them were very anxious about being at home on their own, even though they got other family members, some of them in the families, being locked down on their own with their children and having to deal with them for the first time in, in many years um, on their own. Um, because when they went to school, it was a bit of time out for those parents to recharge their batteries as much as it was for the children to have an outlet and, and a regular routine within the school environment. But what came out of it, what many parents were saying over the time, was that they, they learned to understand and build a better relationship with their children. They had to start to spend time with them where time was very limited before. Um, and we're actually beginning to enjoy their children again and also saying that some of the anxieties that the young people were experiencing, whether that be about you know having to go into school, um, having to deal with their own additional needs, um, began to be less and less and the children were managing their own behaviours because the parents were actually understanding them for far more and with the support and advice and working together um, we were able to get them through some very difficult times. Well, we read of a very dysfunctional family in the Bible, and it would be lovely if you'd read for us now the climax of their story from the book of Genesis. Absolutely. So, realising that their father was dead, Joseph's brother said, What if Joseph still bears a grudge against us? and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him. So they approached Joseph, saying, Your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now therefore please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers were also wept, fell down before him and said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. I am in the place of God. Even though you intended to harm to me, God intended it for good, in order to preserve a numerous people, as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. And in this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. Here is God, our 
You remember the story. The half-brothers loathed Joseph's arrogance and resented him being dad's favorite. Persuaded by Reuben not to kill him, they sold him into slavery. Coming to Egypt for help during a famine, who should they find in charge of the whole country but Joseph? He forgave them, but now their father was gone. They realized they didn't really trust that forgiveness. Their shame and guilt lingered horribly. They hadn't forgiven themselves. Their sense of powerlessness continued. Joseph was hurt that they still didn't quite trust his forgiveness and comforted them by reminding them of the divine perspective. Even as a powerful civil servant, he was just a man like them. We're all under God's judgment. And God is the merciful one who dreams of reconciliation and makes good things come out of the terrible mess we make. I wonder if you've ever found it hard to forgive yourself. I wonder if you've ever felt inhibited by shame. We say together some verses from Psalm 103, where vibrant thanksgiving, combined ironically with a candid acceptance of mortality, is offered as an antidote to our mistrust. Join in the words in bold. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your need is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repairs according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so the greatest is steadfast love towards those who fear As far as the east is from the west, so far removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear For he knows how we are made. He remembers that we are us. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear. And his righteousness the children's children. Bless the Lord, all his works. Bless the Lord. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as 70 times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, 
the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began reckoning, one who holding 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not play, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave, as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he should pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, God. It was understandable that as restrictions were lifted, a lot of people headed for the beach. How dreadful though, that scattering 33 tons of rubbish there some abused refuse collectors who came to clear up. After all the vigorous Thursday night applause for key workers, it was a hideous contradiction. We're embarrassed enough normally about people clearing away our rubbish and rarely look them in the eye. That embarrassment though seems heightened as we emerge from the powerlessness of lockdown and our frustration bursts out dreadfully in projected contempt. Perhaps feeling infantilized by the restriction on hugs and visits and by alliterative government slogans and spending energy holding our coiled fears inside, the release was always bound to be risky. This is what Jesus captures brilliantly with a cartoonist's skill, a few strokes evoking such complexity. Imagine the coil of tension in a man so indebted, perhaps keeping it secret from his family. Imagine the shame that grew with the debt over the years, the childishness of pleading, then the peculiar powerlessness of being forgiven. Imagine the release of pent-up worry, bursting out in violent abuse of someone owing him so little. 
he's really beating himself. Understandable and inexcusable. We witness a difficult transition akin to the one we as a nation are in now, one we can make well or badly. It's striking how his dysfunction distresses the other servants. Forgiveness seems very personal, but it is a community matter. It can send ripples of grace to bless all around, but in his inability to accept grace gracefully, he sends ripples of distress through the community. Jesus perceived that Peter needed to hear this parable because he was in a dangerous spiritual place. Peter was being tolerant. He was counting how often he should forgive because he wanted to be able to be aggressive on the eighth occasion with an easy conscience. Tolerance is delayed conflict. Tolerance is passive aggressive. It assumes moral high ground. This church labels itself inclusive. I hope it is. But that too risks being tolerant, superior, patronizing. It can be hard being forgiven by someone tolerant because you can't trust it's really forgiveness. The subtle scriptures have shone a light on three difficulties we may have with being forgiven. Oddly, it takes a certain grace on our part to accept forgiveness well. But Jesus' hilarious overwhelming of Peter's studied tolerance gives us great hope. Not seven times, but seventy-seven times, he cries. He evokes the lavish Hebrew jubilee forgiveness of debt, release from slavery, rest for the generous earth in that sevenfold multiplication. Pastorally and politically radical, he shows every soul in need and in receipt of the gift of forgiveness. If we feel it's hard to trust, hard to accept, and we feel tired by our mundane repetition of sin and confession. God seems to accept that we need a repetitive rhythm in our life of confession and absolution. His 70 times 7 shows we need not despair, nor wallow in dangerous shame. In our different traditions we may express it in various ways from emotive choruses to formal ritual. But the repetitive rhythm is a gift, as deep and essential as the weeks and their Sabbath. We live in a time of transition when embarrassment and shame could do untold harm. If we want to emerge well, we do well to attend to the litter. It's more than a metaphor for our sin. Our local street cleaner stores his trolley here at All Saints. So this is a thanksgiving prayer we have said for him. Lord, we want forgiveness, but would like it painless. So we hardly notice it. 
but we are embarrassed that you have to clear up our mess. Then, feeling vaguely absolved, we go out and about and with casual arrogance or brow-furrow brow thoughtlessness, we litter our own streets. But each morning, with bright purpose, iPod ready, brushes, trolley and bags, someone puts on a high-vis jacket, so becoming invisible. From Howard Road to the railway bridge, up and down, up and down, they collect 50, 60, 70 bags a day, offering a tireless absolution for the street. Pausing to remember these street cleaners who set out from our centre each day, we admit we would soon miss them if they stopped. We admit our averted gaze, embarrassed that someone like you deals with our debris. As we thank you for them, prompt us to thank them for you. We affirm our faith. We believe in God the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. We believe in God the Son, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with his love. We believe in God the Holy Spirit, who strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. In confidence and trust, let us pray to our God. For those who forgive us time without number, who mediate your steadfast covenant love to us, God hear us. God, God graciously hear us. For those who long to know forgiveness, yet cannot receive it through shame or guilt or fear, God hear us. God, God graciously hear us. For those who clean up our messes, whose dirty work we despise, yet rely on daily. God hear us. God, God graciously hear us. For the patient, long-suffering earth, the multitudinous seas and rivers, the astonishing variety of plants and animals, which absorb our hubris and suffer our rampaging greed. God, hear us. God, God graciously hear us. For countries and communities enslaved in debt, for nations paying the price of colonialism and aggressive foreign policy, God, hear us. God, God graciously hear us. For those caught in despairing cycles of addiction, punishment, violence and self-recrimination, and for those who stand with them to show them a better way, God hear us, God, God graciously hear us. For those caught in dead-end jobs or hopeless unemployment, or in work that squeezes every last ounce of energy out of them, each longing for release. God, hear us. 
God graciously hear us. For those in our law courts, prisons, probation services and community centres, working for justice and restitution in an imperfect, under-resourced system. God, hear us. God, God graciously hear us. For those whose sickness of mind or body is at least partly caused through an inability to forgive themselves or receive the forgiveness of others, and for all who seek to minister to them, God, hear us. God graciously hear us. For our bishops and clergy, lay leaders and teachers, that they may be as ready to receive as to offer forgiveness, that they may be quick to confess and repent of wrongdoing, and lead the way in acts of reconciling service. God hear us. God, God graciously hear us. For our churches and local communities, that they may be places of lavish grace, pardon and acceptance, where sinners know themselves to be in good company with others, where all depend upon the goodness and mercy of God. God hear us. God, God graciously hear us. For ourselves and those we live with daily and love most dearly, that we may grow in our capacity to forgive and be forgiven, and thus be prepared more nearly for the joyous life of heaven, and for our brothers and sisters, freed in God's abundant forgiveness, who have gone before us. God, hear us. God, God graciously hear us. A prayer by Janet Morley. God, our Redeemer, you have promised liberation for our world, remission of debts, forgiveness of sins. Deliver us, body, mind and spirit, from the grip of all that is evil. And may we who claim the blessing of release have courage to live by it, in the name of him who died to set us free, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
at last, we come unto God and confess. Your love for us is abundant and everlasting, yet we turn away in fear and shame, expecting only punishment. Your love removes our sins as far as the east is from the west, yet we insist on keeping them close. releases us from every debt, yet we resist your freedom, preferring imprisonment. Your love forgives us seventy times seven, time without number, yet we keep the score of others' wrongs. <laughs> Your love for us is new every morning, yet we cling on to old hurts and grievances. Your love longs to embrace us as your kith and kin, yet we are suspicious and wary and hold you at arm's length. The God of love and power forgive you, free you from your sins, heal and strengthen you by his Spirit, and raise you to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord, and forget not all his benefits, who, who forgives, forgives all our sins. sins. As far as the East is from the West, so far has God set our sins from us. Sometimes we are surprised by a forgiveness we didn't know we needed. In March 2018, I was privileged to take part in a women's delegation to Bosnia. I was a guest of the British charity Remembering Srebrenica. The massacre of thousands of boys and men and the systematic rape of many women in rape camps during the Bosnian War in the mid-1990s remains 
one of the most shameful episodes in European 20th century history. Srebrenica is the site of the largest, although not the only, massacre, where the UN forces, so small, were completely overpowered by the Serbian army, and about 8,000 men and boys were massacred. Many of their bodies have now been recovered and are buried in the rather beautiful and serene cemetery at Srebrenica and the UN base itself remains as a ghostly, largely empty memorial to that terrible atrocity. It was there that I met one of the mothers of Srebrenica, a group of now quite elderly women who lost sons, fathers, other male relatives, and may well have themselves been raped in some of those rape camps. They keep watch in a little kiosk opposite the memorial garden, selling knickknacks and talking to people about their lost relatives. The Mothers of Srebrenica. In the kiosk selling souvenirs opposite the cemetery, I meet one of the mothers. She speaks no English, and I, of course, have no Bosnian. Her face, the face of grandmothers of every race, generation, and religion, gazes into my 60-year-old face, her eyes into my sad eyes. She beholds me with an infinite gentleness, containing not one jot of blame or recrimination. We hold each other's hands, hug each other lightly. She speaks to me of the prices of postcards and sewn items, and it is the most exquisite poetry pouring over my head and bathing me in forgiveness. I need no translator to tell me her story or she mine. Each to each, in a place far out beyond language, we become mothers to the motherless in the kiosk opposite the parking bay at the UN safe haven where eight and a half thousand finally rest in peace. Personal and international conflicts over identity swirling around us. We close with a deceptively simple song whose apparently naive tune and repetition emphasize acceptance dissolve enmity and fear of difference, and accumulate gravity until we realize it doesn't really get more important than this. When I receive the peace of Christ, my loneliness shall end, and I must reach a hand and take my brother as a friend. My Receive the peace of Christ, my lonely.
invite you after the blessing to give yourself some time and space for an act of kindness to yourself. Perhaps your hands are suffering from all the caustic hand gel we're required to use. You could anoint them with something fragrant or soothing. Or perhaps you could anoint your feet or maybe bathe. Whatever treat you choose, feel its sacramental weight. Let it be a bodily sign of your human grace in trusting God's grace towards you. Christ crucified draw you to himself, to find in him a sure ground for faith, a firm support for hope, and the assurance of sins forgiven. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.